Hey there. We're so glad you tuned into our podcast today. We wanted to let you know that beginning June 3rd, we are shifting to our summer schedule and we will be having one worship experience Sundays at 10 a.m. If you want to find out more, visit our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. My wife and I were uh, hanging out in our living room and we got a phone call. And it's one of those phone calls that you don't expect. Um, We got a phone call that one of our family members had been rushed to the hospital of a possible heart attack. And uh, so my wife and I jumped out of our seat, you know, got dressed, got ready, and we headed. It was a little bit in the evening hour. Jumped in our car and shot down to the hospital. We actually beat the uh, ambulance there. Um, They brought the family member out and... They were working on seeing what was wrong, uh, possible heart attack, and so we were there, and it was a very scary moment. And we, uh, I remember us kind of gathering a bunch of the family members together, and we're just kind of like, what do you know, what do you know, and trying to gather some information, and then, uh, then we were told, you know, the doctor will be out in a few minutes once they know what's going on, they checked on them and things of that nature, and, and then uh, we were waiting in uh, the waiting room. And that waiting room could feel like an eternity, can it? It could feel like every minute that ticks, every moment that passes feels like an hour. Uh, They can't get out there soon enough. They can't seem to really give you the information as quickly as you want it. Uh, Tests have to be run, and that could be hours. Um, To this moment and to this day, I really don't know how long we waited in that waiting room. Uh, But I could sure tell you it felt like an eternity uh, to, to wait there and wait there and Shortly thereafter, the, um, the doctor came out and told us uh, he's fine. Um, he had 95% blockage in one of his major arteries. Uh, but shockingly, there's no heart damage. No heart damage. 95% blockage on one of the arteries. If you know anything about uh, the body and how our body operates, that's a very good thing. That the fact that there was no heart damage with 95% blockage on one of the major arteries. We were blessed and we all almost exhaled at the same time, like everything's okay, (sighs) no heart damage. It was a moment of just, wow, okay, let's just get everything in perspective, right? You kind of wait on that. And and so the waiting room tends to be a place of pain and torture it seems like sometimes doesn't it It, and it's nothing happening to you it's just happening around you and it affects you internally and so this morning I want to talk to you about one of my favorite characters um, one of my favorite people in the Bible but but I really am not going to talk about him too much because I want to talk about um, where he came from first because down the line we'll be addressing more but Samuel is one of my favorite characters in the Bible his example of godliness, his example of following God is, uh, is, is something worth looking at. And his story starts with his mother named Hannah. Hannah, like so many women even today, desperately desired a child but was unable to conceive. But she never let go of her hope or her Lord. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel Chapter 1, verse 20. I'm not going to have all these verses for you. I need you to open your Bible here with me this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 1, 
Beginning, in, uh, beginning there in verse 1, I want to read a little bit about that, but let me just highlight one verse before we go into the text. And here's what verse 20 says. In the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a child. It's a wonderful blessing to have a child that she, she waited for, she waited for. And anything worth having like this is worth waiting for. But it's, it, it starts... Before that, and I want to bring a message this morning entitled, The Waiting Room. The Waiting Room, based on the story of Hannah. And I want to, I want to teach a little bit this morning, a little bit on the story. First Samuel chapter 1. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peniah, and all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb and because the Lord had closed her womb her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her this went on year after year whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord her rival provoked her till she wept and she would not eat Elkanah and her husband would stay would say to her rather Hannah why are you weeping Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord in the temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Ever felt like that? You You ever prayed so much that you felt like you had no tears left? This is kind of where Hannah's at right now. She wept so much and prayed to the Lord. Verse 11, and she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you would only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and do not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all of his days and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, but her lips were moving But her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long will you keep keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. He said, may your servant, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, And she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I'm asking you to take this story and teach us. God, allow us to see the depth of your word and the storyline that is before us today. Allow us to learn from other people's situations that we may too please you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Waiting. 
Waiting is not a word we take kindly to. Is that right? It's not a word that we really like, and it can be very detrimental to a non-patient person like me. Raise your hand if you're impatient. Okay? Some of you are like, I couldn't wait for you to say that. Finally. I'm so impatient. To desire God to do something in your life can be very straining on your spirit. To, to wait for God to do something in the midst of your turmoil can be a very difficult timeline to walk with. And rather than us walk in his timeline, we want him to walk in ours, by and large. Is that true? We most of the time want him to walk in our timeline. I learned something, and I want you to write this down, and I want you to get this. I want you to tweet this. I want you to do whatever it takes, but get this in your spirit. Hear me. If you do anything this morning, hear what I'm about to tell you. Patience is not the ability to wait as much as it is the attitude you'd have while you wait. Patience is not the ability to wait as much as it is the attitude you have while you wait. God is looking for us to be patient people, not just people that wait online, but people that have an attitude of waiting, an attitude of patience, a character, gifting, a fruit, if you may. Of patience. However, we look at David and we look at his, the psalm in Psalm 31, verse 14 and 15, and he says, but I trust in you. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. To say to God, my times are in your hands. You know what that says? It's not about my clock. It's about yours. Everything that I'm living, everything that I'm doing, it's all in your hands. Look at me. It's all in your hands. All the times are in your hands. And that's a big deal. I think that we can all agree at some point that if our times are in the, in the hands of the Lord, then time is not your foe. So we don't wait on time. I, I, I hear people sometimes say time will heal all wounds. No, time won't heal wounds. It'll just be pushed down so far that you really can't see it as much anymore. But it doesn't necessarily heal wounds. Because some people have been through, going through turmoil for a long time and still they feel the repercussions of it, right? I remember, and this is just a side note here. Um, I recently, uh, a few years ago when we were uh, expanding freedom and getting in our social networking, um, one of the things that, uh, that they give you is an opportunity to review well, when you Google review something, right, you review something, you say, hey, this is, this is a great restaurant or this is a great place, whatever. We had just opened up Google My Business in the sense that the church, and to get the church known where we are, and you got to kind of register the church. And so we did, and I, I reviewed the church. I said, I love my church. I love my church. I just did, it was a few years ago, it was like the first review. I said, I want to be the first one to say I love my church, right? And then I was like, that seems weird. After I reviewed it, I thought to myself, maybe that'll just kind of spur everything on. So I want to go back and delete my review because I don't want to seem weird about reviewing our church. Well, I love my church, but you can't review it. You, excuse me, you can't remove it. Once you review it, you can't remove it. They said the best you could do is bury it. 
So get a lot of other people to review to just bury your review so it's not really there. You know what? That taught me something for a moment there while I laugh at myself because I really was not understanding what was happening. They said bury it. And you know what? Time will help you, but it won't heal anything. Some things you just need to bury and put some things up front. In your life, you have to put some things up front so that all those things that, see, that were in the past can just be buried and put away. And you know what? Time doesn't heal anything, but you can bury things. You can bury things that have gone. It's, it's done and gone. I can't change that, but I can put other things in front of it. And what God wants from each of us is to put his presence and the things of God in front of it. Listen, how you react to God and how you respond to God on a day-to-day basis in your faith is very important. Would you agree? So what, you, what we need to do as believers is that we have to understand something. And I'm talking to believers for a few moments here this morning because I want us to understand something. You need to bury your experiences that, have, that, have, uh, that seemingly have hurt you. You need to bury those with the promises of God. I may not be able to change what happened, right? I may not be able to change what happened, but I can bury it with the goodness of God. And that overshadows all the things that have taken place. That doesn't mean when I say bury, please understand I'm not saying bury issues in your life because that stuff will come back up. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about burying issues. You deal with the issues, right? If there's an issue in your life, you deal with it because it'll come back up. What I'm talking about is you may forgive, but you don't forget those things that you may never forget. You may not forget them, but you can bury them with the goodness of God. You don't have to focus on just because you have, uh, you have taken those moments and you have, you have forgiven someone doesn't mean you forget. And so in those moments, in the course of time, you can choose to forgive. And so when we talk about the waiting room, I want to talk to you about three things. Number one is simply this. Don't lose your walk in the midst of your wait. If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't lose your walk in the midst of your wait. Hannah taught us this because in 1 Samuel verses 3 and 7, it tells us that Hannah continued. Hannah continued to walk in the temple of the Lord year after year. She continued to serve. She continued to love. She continued to pray. Come on, somebody. That no matter how bad things got, she continued on. She persevered on and on. Let me tell you something. Hannah continued to seek even when everything she was seeking wasn't coming into pass. Year after year, she worshiped the Lord. Though she was waiting, she never lost her walk. Can I tell you something here this morning? Wait is not a no. Wait is not a no. Some of us hear God say wait and we interpret that as no. It is difficult to be patient, but to waste the rewards for patience is worse. Did you hear that? It is difficult to be patient, but to waste the rewards for patience is worse. There's a reward. There's some people that have waited and waited and waited and they couldn't wait anymore and they jumped ahead of it and they just missed getting their blessing, the reward for patience. I've been there before. 
where I, I waited, I waited, I waited, and then in my impatience, I took what was in front of me, missed it, didn't turn out the way I thought, and then shortly thereafter, that happened, right? And so you can probably point to different times in your life where you were impatient and you took what was in front of you instead of waiting, and then that led you to pain down the line. And I'm telling you, don't lose your walk in the midst of your wait. Hannah was waiting and waiting and waiting. And her situation left her really wondering where she was in the light of God, right? I think we've all been there where we prayed. We said, God, I don't see you in this. I don't see how you're working this thing out. I don't, I don't see how you're in this moment. So I'm going to take the, best, the next best thing that's there. And you know what's horrible? That you could have had what you waited for if you just waited a little longer. So it's not so much losing patience, but losing the reward of patience. That's also a terrible thing. Because everything you prayed and sweat and bled and whatever it is for, you waited for that. You missed that blessing. Don't lose your walk in the midst of your way. What a great example by Hannah, wasn't it? To be able to pray and seek and pray and seek. And I want a child. I want a child. And I haven't got a child yet. I pray and I seek. And I discovered in my life that... That the decision to continue with the Lord, no matter what, deepens my desires. It, it, it strengthens my heart to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It matures my worship like nothing else will. Patience will mature your worship like nothing else will. Psalm 34 reads like this. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. His praise will always be on my lips. The decision to bless the Lord, even in the midst of a battle, the desire to serve him in the midst of the greatest struggle, the walk, the walk, the desire, and the deep cry out to God in the wilderness is a pivotal decision that I encourage you to stand with. Our desire to stand with God in the midst of difficult times will treat our blessings and the things that God has for us. Now listen, we simply continue to walk no matter what. And Hannah, she's being criticized on all levels. If you look at the storyline, you think about it. Eli, the priest, is judging her. You're drunk, lady, you're drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm in grief. I'm in pain. And just because my lips are moving and nothing's coming out doesn't mean I'm drunk. I'm not that woman. Then she would go to the temple and every time she went to the temple, people would, were, were, were judging her. And it's a horrible thing to go to the temple of God and be judged there. God knows every one of us in one way or another at some point probably was judged by someone at some temple. But it just proves that we need a savior even more, right? No one is perfect. Nobody is perfect. No church is perfect. But they kept antagonizing her, antagonizing her, because she didn't have what they had. But another lesson that I learned from the story of Hannah was simply this. Number two, make sure your soul sips from the right cup. Make sure your soul sips from the right cup. Look at me, believer. I'm talking to you. 
Every one of you are being offered cups every day of your life. What cup you drink from will be the cup that you experience. The cup that you drink from will be the cup that you experience. Look at verse 15 and 16 again. Am I not a woman who's deeply troubled? I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I love how she says, pouring out my soul. You think I'm drinking, but you know what I was doing? I wasn't drinking. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. You think I'm drinking? You know what I'm doing? I'm giving myself to God. Let me ask you a question. This is a really personal question. Hear me and hear me closely. When's the last time you surely stood before God and you poured out your soul to him? Not asking him for anything. You just said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for everything you are to me. See, we tend to go to God with something instead of going to God by something. In other words, we come to him to ask him to give, Lord, show me your hand. You know what? Once in a while, we need to go to God, and hopefully more than once in a while, we need to go to him and just seek his face, just his face. Not his hands, not his bank account, because I know, I know it. As a father, I know when my kids want something. Because they start buttering me up. <laughs> Dad. My little girl's really good at it. She's getting too good at six. She'll come up to me and she'll be like, Dad. All cute and stuff. I'm like, hi, sweetie. I'm already suspect. I'm already like, what's going on over there? Because when she does this stretching thing, I know that that's what that means. She's about to try to stretch my wallet. Is what it's, it's a subliminal message. She wants something. She saw something on TV. She, her friend has something at school or her friend. She, Dad. So I know when they're, she's seeking my hand. I know the difference. Does that mean I say no every time? No. doesn't mean that. But you know what? When she just comes up to me and gives me a hug for no reason and honestly walks away with nothing, no agenda, I feel like my life is complete sometimes. As a father, I really do. How much more so would the Father in heaven be if when you come, you say, I, want, I just want to sip from your cup. I want to, I want to be with you, Dad. I don't want to hear. I, I know I'm hearing this person saying this about me. I know, I know this person's doing that and that person... But I want to sit from the cup of my father. A couple times she's gotten very comfortable with reaching into my plate and grabbing food too. I found that recently. She's, my boys would never know that. They know I would have bit their hand. They would just, don't mess around with a Puerto Rican's food. You know what I'm saying? He's just, it's just, you don't do that. And so my little girl, she's, she's, got, she's on a different level, man. And she'll reach and she'll be like, ooh, Wings then you don't touch a brother's wings. You just don't do that, right? She's gotten comfortable with her father in a way that I think if we begin to get comfortable with the father and realize he loves you emphatically. But do we love him emphatically? I believe that we're living in a day that we hear so much about the love of God, we hear a lot less about the love of his bride where that upward love, right? 
Because that's what changes our attitude. His love, man, I'll tell you, that'll change you. That'll mess you up when you realize how much he loves you. I get that. But when you start to realize that sometimes we limit our blessings by how, how much we lack love back in his direction. What a ex- great example for us that Hannah was. And while they're telling her, are you drunk? She's like, no, I'm pouring out my soul. As Hannah continued to walk in the Lord, no matter what, isn't, it isn't so much that she stopped praying the desires of her heart, but that she never stopped praying. Isn't that right? This is challenging to me because of the temptation that we face when we allow our soul to be vexed by our circumstances being less than stellar. Eli was assuming that she had alcohol in her body, and that's why she was acting the way she's acting. But there's other things that cause us as believers, and maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's a cynical attitude that we carry that stops us from hearing from God. Maybe it's a woe is me attitude that stops us from hearing from God. Or maybe an offended spirit. We're constantly offended by everything and everyone. And no matter what, I can't, no one can do anything right because you just want to live offended because you want to blame somebody else for whatever it is going on in your life and the decisions that you've made. So you want to kind of offset that. Can I tell you something? We're living in a very offended culture. Everybody's always offended about everything. Listen. That is not the fruit of a believer. If you turn around and you get offended every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time there's people around, there may be something that you're seeing through the wrong lens. Listen, if you're offended by everybody, trust me, not everybody's out to offend you. You're not the center of the universe. There's a good chance that you're living a life of offense. Man, that could really, really Cause you to sip from a bitter cup. That you, you're drinking from the wrong cup. If you're cynical, woe is me, or, or, or in some way, shape, or form, that's not the cup that Hannah drank from. She says, I'm not that woman, and I, yes, I don't have children, but I'm praying. And I'm, she prayed out of her grief. She prayed out of her strain. And I want to tell you right now, The Lord says in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Your weakness. We don't want to hear that part, do we? You mean you have weaknesses? Absolutely. We all do. Here's my third point. Hannah taught us in this, allow what provokes you to position you. Allow what provokes you to position you. She could have said, you know what? These people are teasing me. These people are mocking me. These people are speaking about me. I don't want to serve God anymore. I'm not going to serve God. I'm not going to serve his church. Look at me. Every eyeball, I need you to hear me right now. I want you to understand the people that provoke you, the things that provoke you, they should position you to say, I must be doing something right. Because the enemy doesn't attack those who are not making a difference. Allow what provokes you to position you. 
everything that comes your way, you have a decision how you're going to take it. You have a decision what cup you're going to drink from. You have a decision if you're going to lose your walk in the midst of your weight. You have a decision to be positioned and either turning your back on the altar or dropping your face upon it. Everything that provokes you positions you. Make no mistake. Everything that provokes you positions you. The question is, what is the position that you hold? Is this helping anybody? Because Hannah went through some things, didn't she? She could have lost her walk in the midst of her weight, but she didn't. She prayed. She, they were telling us, you're, you're sipping from this cup of, of, no, I'm not sipping from that cup. I'm calling upon my God. I'm sipping upon the right cup. And last and definitely not least, what provoked her, she knew was positioning her. And she kept coming to God. And you know what God did? Verse 20. Verse 20 happened. The Bible says something interesting. Can, can we look at this for a moment? Because I believe that it's a very important part. And I asked myself this as I was preparing this message She went year after year, right, to the house of the Lord. Her rival provoked her, verse 7. But then we find out in verse 20, what? What was it that happened in verse 20? So so in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth. But you know what I love here? Let me see here. And the Lord, and this is verse 19, rather. It's just before verse 20. And the Lord remembered her. Are you with me? The Lord remembered her. Her. You know what's interesting is that when when we find the enemy whispering to us, the enemy's trying to say that there's a period at the end of that sentence. When God says there's a comma. And I find that in my life, the times where the enemy's provoking me, he wants to put a period. He wants to tell me, that's it, that's all. Mail it in. And God is saying, no, there's a comma. Wait on me. Wait on me. I thought to myself, why did, if she prayed so hard year after year. Have you ever wondered why God allows time to pass when you've prayed for so long? How many ever prayed for something for a lengthy, let's say more than a year you prayed for something? Raise your hand. Show it like for real. Come on, guys. Okay. Look across the room. You're more than you. Okay, more than two years. Keep your hand raised if it's more than two years. You, know, you remember praying for something more than two years. Three years. Keep your hand up. Four. Five. Six. Some of you, seven. Eight. Nine. Some of you are like, no, you're going to keep going. You get where I'm going with this? Some of you have been praying for certain things for a long time. Look at me. I need you to hear this. I asked myself, why would God allow this woman who loved him who cared about the things of God, who went year after year after year to the house of the Lord. Why would God allow that? Why would God allow a woman of faith to go through that? And I thought to myself, God, I don't know that I'll have an answer for the people on this, but, but I would like to know. And you know what I really felt all of a sudden, and I never thought about this until this week as I was preparing this. Here's what I thought about. I thought about this for a moment. Hannah gave birth to who? 
Samuel. Samuel was absolutely critical to the future of Israel. He was absolutely critical to the place and when Israel became from a people to a monarchy, okay, an established monarchy. Samuel played a huge part. In fact, he stepped in when there was no king. And I asked God, I said, God, why would you allow her to wait the way she was waiting? And, and you know what I really felt the Lord begin to tell me? It wasn't his time to show up. God needed Samuel at a certain time. And it was Hannah's burden to carry. They didn't need Samuel before Samuel was to be there. They needed Samuel when Samuel was time to be there. And you know what? It was at that moment that I realized, wow, God steps back and sees the big picture. We think right here, right now, give it to me now, right? Right now, I want it now. But God says, listen, I got a blessing for you and I got a blessing for Israel and Samuel is gonna be a huge part of the future of Israel. But it's not time yet. I need him at a certain time to be a certain person for a certain people. And it was in that time that Samuel became everything Israel needed because he was born at the right time and he was born for Israel. God gives men and women for a time to take them to a place and it was not there, it was not his time yet to be there. And when God said, now it's time, he gave Hannah Samuel. He was the voice and the mouthpiece of God when they needed him the most. There are things that you will have to go through and you need certain people to speak into your life. There are certain people that will come and certain people that will go. It was the time that God had ordained for Samuel to be there and Samuel was single-handedly one of the biggest instrumental parts of Israel's history. Establishing Israel and helping Israel find God in the midst of their weight. So I ask you today, what is it that God's asking you to wait? You've been praying for something. Hang in there. Pray and seek. Hannah had that patience. It doesn't mean it didn't take its toll on her. Here's the last thought I want to share with you this. Being provoked leads us to position in him. Hannah got to, the po- to a point of deep surrender over the course of time. She was provoked. Take your provoke status. Because some of us carry around a provoke status. I'm provoked. I just, I just feel like everyone's judging me. I feel like every- No, everyone's not judging you. You're carrying around a spirit that's provoked. Everything around you is ultra sensitive. You're being sensitive. Stop for a moment and say, God, anything that's coming at me, help me to judge with your word. Judge by your spirit. Because not everyone's after you. But it can feel that way if you carry that spirit. You get what I'm saying? It can feel like everyone's after you. But really, is that really what's happening? Seek him and ask him, God, what do you want to teach me in this time? I'm going to ask everyone in this room right now to just bow your heads with me for a moment. What provokes you will position you. 